0: Is that better? Yeah, that's better. I keep pushing it the wrong way. Good morning everybody. Today's sermons, part of a series on AKA, also known as, different names of God. And today we're looking at, in case you haven't guessed, Jehovah Tukenu, which is meaning righteousness. Now I'd really enjoyed preparing the sermon I did previously on a very straightforward passage which suits me, do not judge, and it was do this and don't do that, it was really clear. And when I, uh, Sean asked me to preach on righteousness, I thought oh yeah that's quite straightforward, no it's not, I'd forgotten all my studies in theology. Um, and the extraordinary depths that can be studied and unpacked when looking at righteousness. In fact, according to which Google search you use, the word righteousness appears more than 1,000 times in the Old Testament alone, which is more than the word faith. So we do need to know what it's talking about. Um, And trying to cut those 1,000 down to suitable ones with this sermon was nearly impossible. But I just love the good news of Jesus because you can understand it on a very simple, straightforward level, which is great for most of us. But it does go deeper and deeper and deeper. The more you study the good news of Jesus and righteousness, the more you see the depths of our Father God. Anyway, today I've attempted to break righteousness down and our prayer is that we learn how our Lord is righteous, how we become righteous, And what righteousness empowers us to do. So here we go. Let's start by looking at the text. So the text was from Jeremiah. And uh, it's always a good place to start by looking at the text. It was written as a prophecy before the exile between 597 and 586 BC. The shepherds, who were the leaders of Israel, had ranged from bad to evil And God was really angry with them. He delegated a responsibility to them, the vital task of shepherding his people, looking after and protecting them. But instead, they destroyed and scattered the people and led them astray. So to overcome this, first of all, Yahweh promised he's gonna place shepherds who will lead them well. And this is probably a fairly good king called Zedekiah. Hussein soon appeared but then he goes on to state one of the most important messianic prophecies in verses five and six i will raise up to david which means our place in david's family a righteous branch branch being known as a messianic title a righteous king one who will bring wisdom justice and righteousness in the land and everyone will live in safety great stuff so, what does righteousness mean? So, within church circles, you hear the word, you know, God is righteous. Ezra 9 verse 15 says, O God of Israel, you are righteous. Isaiah 42 states, Lord, I have called you in righteousness. Now, that's not a word you hear down in TK Maxx very much, is it really? But um, the dictionary definition is a quality of being morally right justifiable or honourable. In the Hebrew, it means kind of standing up really stiff and really straight, very honourable. That's the Hebrew meaning. Now, uh, righteousness, if you think of a righteous person, it brings to our head somebody's always doing the right thing, completely good and perfect, and that's a bit irritating, isn't it? But <clears throat> God is the only one, of course, who is perfectly righteous. He is righteous. There isn't such a thing as perfectly righteous. You're either righteous or you're not. And he's completely good and perfect and righteous. And as such, he can't stand evil. Can't stand anybody doing the wrong things. And as we saw in that reading, he punishes evil and upholds the good. He was always punishing the people of Israel for doing the wrong things. Time and time again. And that's because he's righteous. And as righteous, he must satisfy himself in terms of justice. People can't, couldn't, can't get away with it. It happened right from the start with Adam and Eve. They went wrong. He didn't let them off. He couldn't let them off. They were banished from the garden. And we too, we can't get close to a God of love unless we're righteous like him. And yes, we do righteous things but our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to him. But God wants us to be close, to be intimate with him, because God is also a God of love, a God who longs to have his children close. And this causes a major conflict of emotions, if you like. So a passage in Hosea really sums up this conflict in God's head using the example of a parent or a grandparent, even really, but every parent knows the costliness of love and what it means to be torn apart by those emotions where you have to punish because they've done something wrong. But you don't really want to punish because you love them so much. And Hosea 11 says, Israel is God's child. In verses 3 to 4 it says, I taught Israel to walk. You know what it's like walking with a toddler? Your back goes, doesn't it? You're walking along like this, it's a real pain. And I picked them up. It says I picked picked them up by the arms I led them with kindness and this is what I really love and uh, Lydia's going to bring over Eden or is it Alice it's going to bring over Alice because this I love this this is what God does with us he picks us up and then he holds us to his cheek like that isn't that Hosea says this is what God does. Isn't that such an amazing illustration of God's love for you? He longs to pick you up and hold you to his cheek. I think I could stay doing this for ages actually. But you probably wouldn't last that long, would you? Thank you, Lydia. And <clears throat> But then this lovely little toddler goes waywards and turns away. Therefore, has to be punished. But in verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah 11, it says, How can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I vent my fierce anger on you? My compassion is aroused. I love you. I'm God, not man. I will not come in wrath. So that awful inattention within God, the justice with his righteousness, and yet the compassion of his love. And that unacceptance of sin that God has is the bit people forget when they're thinking about God not allowing people into heaven. They think he's a God of love, of course he'll allow everybody, it'll be fine, God's a God of love, he's so compassionate, he is love, he'll let everybody into the kingdom of heaven. But he's just and he's holy and he can't. and it's hard to reconcile and hold in our minds simultaneously the image of God, the judge who must punish evil-doers, and the lover who must find a way to forgive them, yet He is both, at the same time. So how can he satisfy his holy love? How can he save us and satisfy himself? Well, a lot of us know the answer to that, um, which is always the answer in children's church, which is, Jesus. correct. Jesus. We have to become righteous. How do we do it? We do it through Jesus. Let's look back at the passage. Yahweh promises he's gonna raise up a righteous king. What so far in this sermon series have we had the names of God as? what have been the themes? God is a banner. God is a provider. So we'd expect this one to be God is Righteous, but it's not. The name by which he would be called in verse 6 is the Lord our Righteousness. The Lord our Righteousness, Yahweh you. The king is not just going to be righteous, that's not the point. The point is he's going to be righteous on behalf of his people. He's going to be in fact our Righteousness righteousness. Um, Now you saw earlier on with the children's tour, the all age bit, that Jesus won that battle on the cross. He fought that battle on the cross and on the cross the righteousness and the love are revealed as our leader, as our king sacrificed himself for us. And so many verses describe him in his sacrifice on the cross becoming our righteousness God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, says 2 Corinthians. The righteousness of this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I love this phrase, the cross was God's righteous way of righteousing the unrighteous. The cross was God's righteous way of righteous the unrighteous. And this righteousness is from God by faith. Have you noticed there's a part we have to play in becoming righteous before God? What do we have to do? We have to make sure we're on the winning side, on the winning team, with the winning army. We're made righteous through having faith in the death of Jesus, as I talked about with Joseph earlier. We don't become good and perfect in our behavior. We just accept by faith we're justified in the sight of God. We're made acceptable in the sight of God. And then we continue to live by faith, sticking close to Him. It's imagine you're trapped somewhere, maybe in prison, maybe somewhere else, and you're offered your freedom on condition that you pay a heavy fine. The promise is real as long as you can pay the fine but you're miserable and you're trapped in whatever it is. If you can't pay the promise, if you can't pay the money, then the freedom has little relevance to you. But then if the son of the judge comes down the steps to where you are incarcerated and gives you the money his father has given him to give to you, you do have to accept that money. You do have to take it. You do have to say take it and you do have to take it to pay with it. Um, Martin Luther was one of the main figures of the Reformation in the 15th century. And he struggled with this idea of being righteous enough to earn his salvation. And as a monk, he tried so hard day after day to live a blameless life. He thought this righteous God would punish unrighteous sinners. And so despite his good life, he was always fearful he'd not pleased God with his works. But as he was studying this verse, one of these verses, the righteous shall live by faith. It clicked. He got it. And he describes this. Where I had once hated the phrase the righteousness of God, I began to love and extol it as the sweetest of phrases. So that this passage in Paul became the very gate of paradise to me. It almost freed him up. It made him free because he realized he didn't have to earn it. And isn't this just like some of us sometimes? We think, even if you've known Jesus since you were tiny, we think we're not good enough for God. We think he can't possibly want to be near me, never mind love me. We sink down and live in shame and the devil just loves that. It effectively makes you ineffective for the kingdom. As we wallow in those past mistakes or moral failures of ours, that keep coming back to bite us. The ones that make us think we're not good enough, have to try harder. Come on, if you want to get to heaven, you need to do this, that and the other. We think we're not worthy to be the follower of Jesus. But let me confirm this loud and clear. You have, when you are dressed in those robes of righteousness you are now righteous in God's sight you have been dressed in those robes of righteousness Isaiah he has wrapped me with the robes of righteousness and that righteousness is not temporary it is forever it covers us completely and it's an unchanging attribute of God's character I love the fact that Chris mentioned relax earlier We no longer need to try harder and strive, we can just relax. No longer defined by our previous mistakes, but by the righteousness of God. And God actually sees you differently. He sees us with the eyes of Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, if by faith you've accepted him, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But you do have to pick up the robe and don't leave it in a bag in your house because you've got it. You actually have to take it out and by faith acknowledging that Jesus died for you, you put it the right way (laughs) and then you put it on. I've always wanted to be an angel (laughs) and (laughs) know that you are fully loved. Accepted forever by our Father because of the sacrifice of His Son. And when we stand, Revelation 7 says, when we stand before God in the final judgment, we will no longer have anything to fear because we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. And we can stand dressed in these robes of righteousness given to us by Him. Isaiah, Revelation 7 says, After this I looked, and before me there was a great multitude. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Amazing. I can't wait for that. I worshiped this morning. I was like, yes! You, Jesus, are just the best. I can't wait to be in heaven. But we're not there yet. So when we pick up the rope, we also receive his spirit. Now this is the transforming power God gives to us because now we are righteous. The Spirit of Christ dwells within us, empowering to live a life that reflects Jesus' righteousness. And we need that Spirit within us to enable us to live lives that really show the rest of the world that Jesus is righteous, that Jesus can free them. Even as Christians, like I said before, we get trapped in this little melee and for others outside of the church and those who don't yet know Jesus, they are feeling trapped a lot of the time. There's a girl on um, Fox Hill, her mum, and she regularly, she's come to Jesus, but it's not changed a lot. But she keeps freaking me saying, Cheryl, I need more of, I've been so bad, I just need more. And I keep saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. You are clothed with righteousness. I don't use those words, but you are clothed with righteousness. He does it for you. You do not need to do anything to live free from the weight of sin that weighs us down. And we need to be ready to tell the world this freedom to those who are trapped without that freedom Jesus really brings. So let's be ready to make this world aware of this Jehovah Chikinu. He's not just righteous. He's become our righteousness and through faith in him, we can live lives worthy of him, loved and adored, being picked up and held to the cheek of the righteous creator God of the universe, through the righteousness given to us by his son. So let's stand and ask for his help now for us to do that. And we're going to have a time when we ask the Holy Spirit to come. If you'd like to hold your hands out like you're receiving a gift, that often helps in your heart and in your mind, that you're receiving something from our Creator God. So if you'd like to hold your hands out, then please do. Father, I pray now that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of his fight for us, Against evil, we by faith can now accept your robe of righteousness and know the presence of your Spirit. So I pray now, come, Holy Spirit. You may feel Him in your heart on your hands, in your head or in your soul. And some of us need to pick up that robe of righteousness for the first time. So in your mind, just imagine yourself saying thank you to Jesus for his fight on the cross and his victory. And just imagine placing that robe of righteousness on yourself and then feel the freedom that brings to your heart and to your mind. We rejoice with you if you've just done that now. We rejoice with the angels in heaven. And others of us need to pick up that robe again because we've taken it off recently and just left it in a dirty corner. And we've been running around like a fly, buzzing around, doing things in our own strength. And we've become exhausted And our feelings have not been good enough and just trying to make it on our own. So let us now pick up in our minds that rope, go and get it from the dusty corner. Just put it upon yourself. And relax in that knowledge of that love that holds you to his cheek. And others need to pick that robe up and remember the enabling power of the Spirit that comes with it to empower you through the power of that Spirit to show your friends, your parents, your children, your neighbour, your colleague at work, how they too can become free. (laughs) What is the Spirit saying to you right now? How is he wanting you to respond? Lord, we thank you for your presence, for your joy that acknowledging your righteousness brings us, for the freedom it brings to our hearts and to our minds and our lives. If you've prayed any of those prayers, or if there's anything you want to bring to Jesus, then please do come out to my right-hand side where people can pray with you into the little space here. You can come now, or you can come during the final song. If you have a need of healing, brokenness, or just a challenge that you want to fulfill and you need more of his help, then do come for prayer. More excitingly, if you have put that robe on for the first time, do come and tell me afterwards or do come and be prayed for as we sing don't be shy